Well, again, good morning. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors. Uh, one quick adjustment. Um, I incorrectly said that the the email with the Zoom link in it was Thursday's email. It was actually Saturday's email. So the email that went out yesterday has the Zoom link in it. Again, if you didn't get that, just email us at uh, onelifecommunitychurch at gmail.com and we will get back to you. What's that? Oh yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you for pointing that out to me. Um, before we uh, start, I do want to let you know, one of the things we believe in One Life Community Church is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit moves and breathes and does things uh, and speaks to us in all kinds of different ways. And uh, many times you all have messages from the Spirit. And uh, last week, uh, Jessica had one and she emailed it or texted us and it was kind of late when I saw it in the service and it just didn't have time. And uh, so I was going to insert it today uh, and I can't tell you how appropriate it is in, on so many different levels for this morning and so I want to read it to you it says this uh, today the Holy Spirit is like a drizzle softly falling upon us as we let it it soaks in more and more as we start to feel more and more drenched the temptation to reach for an umbrella or move to cover is there but we are called to remain let it soak in to the very core. It is gentle and good. And an all-encompassing experience, it is meant to change us. And with that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do invite you to be with us in whatever way you would, but we do desire to be with you. And we know that, that, that there's gonna be change that happens when we're with you. And so I ask that we wouldn't run from that. We wouldn't uh, flee from that, even though it might be challenging, even though it might feel very difficult or uncomfortable. I pray that we would, um, with courage and confidence, step into your presence um, and allow, allow you to transform us to really being more of who you've created us to be. Um, yeah, so Spirit, I ask that despite geographical distance and, and, and all the things that are going on right now, that you would bring us into your presence as uh, your people and speak to us in, in, in a way that only you can. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are deep, deep into our uh, sermon series on the book of Hebrews, this letter that was written from a person who we don't know who that person is to an audience that we don't know who that audience is um, and, and, and we don't know the city it went to or anything like that. And so there are all kinds of things we've been trying to figure out from uh, this letter and it's been quite a journey. Um, and, and throughout there has been this, this sense, this, this cry by the author saying, all the stuff you're facing, all the stuff you're going on, here's how Jesus is in the midst of all that stuff. Here's the realities about Jesus. And so if in that, if, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts to that. Like allow yourself to be open, allow God to speak, allow God to move. Because the cost of ignoring that voice is, is too great a cost 
And the reward is too great a reward. Now, one of the things we have mentioned is that the audience we know has gone through some level of persecution, and, and we've talked about it very vaguely, but in today's passage, we actually get to engage with some of the specifics about that. And what we know is that it hasn't been to the point of death, and there's something uh, about that, that that as we get into this is going to be really, uh, really key, that there's this level of persecution that is something we often uh, mistake in Christianity and, and what it really means. So when we get there, uh, we'll talk about that. But I want to start uh, just by reading the passage. This is Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 19 through 39. If you have uh, your Bible, you can open up and read along there. You can use the Bible tab uh, on our online dashboard there, or uh, you can read along. The, the words will be up on the screen uh, as I read them. So again, this is Hebrews 10, 19 through 39. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for the one who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins." But, is fearful expect- but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know the one who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So this section of scripture comes after a long process of journeying through a whole bunch of theology and and big statements and history and all these things that the author has put together to build up really to these last few chapters. These are kind of the hoorah, if you will, of all of this. All the talk about Jesus as the high priest, 
right? The one who, who goes into the holy place where no one else could go except for a high priest. But Jesus goes in and enters in in a way that now we can go in. All the things about Jesus being better than the angels and Jesus being superior to Moses and all that stuff building up to what we're getting at in these last few weeks. And really what the author is talking about right here is uh, sort of in this sense, even like uh, I think of the, the Nike slogan of just do it, right? That, that what the author is saying, because we have this confidence, right? That we're invited to enter freely into the presence of God. And, and that word confidence means literally to, to speak freely without guilt or shame. We're not playing any games, we get to be honest in the presence of God and that there's this new and living way. It refers back to this new covenant where we learn that God is saying in this new covenant that my law will be on their hearts and minds, that we get to know God intimately and in a personal way and that God will no longer remember people's sins refers back to that new covenant and the way is living because Jesus is living. So we talked about way back in the beginning where it says that in the past God spoke to our ancestors in all these various and different ways through the prophets but in these days speaks to us through his son. And because Jesus is alive, Jesus is this eternal word. And again, because Jesus is this great priest, all these things, we can just do it, go confidently, freely, boldly into the presence of God and be exactly who we are. Imagine, right? There's so many times in, uh, in, in, in our world where we are told when you get in the presence of this person or this person, make sure you behave this way and this way. And I would certainly think with the creator of the universe that I would want to have all my ducks in a row. Like I want to have everything right. But this says we get to enter freely and speak boldly with freedom and no shame and no guilt in the presence of God. And so we're invited to do that. And out of this, this time in God's presence, our author says there are three things that we are to experience. And it's these three let us moments. And the first one is let us draw near. Right, and so we've kind of already been talking about that. We get to draw near to God. But it says do this in full assurance. And the word that is used there, it's actually a phrase, this full assurance. It's a phrase and it's play ra for ia. And it means most certain confidence. There's that confidence thing again. And the root words of this are really interesting. It means to carry. And so it's active. It's being certain enough to move. Being certain in our faith enough that we would move. And I wonder if sometimes when Jesus said things like the smallest amount of faith, like a mustard seed, can move a mountain. Sometimes we're like those mountains. And sometimes we find that even the smallest amount of faith, though, might move us enough to get freely into God's presence to honestly tell God what we really think, how we really feel. Because the other thing it says is that when we go with this heart full of assurance that we're sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, 
And if you remember back, one of the tasks of the high priest was to sprinkle blood on certain pieces of what they would call furniture almost. Not the way we think about furniture, but they were, they were these, these uh, relics and, and, and pieces in the Holy of Holies. And, uh, and the altar was there and the high priest would sprinkle blood on these things. And so the author here is recalling back to that moment and just reestablishing again that Jesus is indeed the high priest. And just as the high priest then would sprinkle blood on these pieces of furniture that would cover the sins of Israel, especially externally for a year, that Jesus has sprinkled blood that has cleansed our conscience. Conscience, And it's not just, um, last week we talked about this idea of having a cleansed conscience is not just being like, whew, I'm free from that. I don't have to worry about that. But it's this being free from guilt and this ability to discern. This reality where when we're cleansed from our guilt, we get to see what is good and what is wrong. What is good and what is evil. And we get to discern. We're invited to do that. And so that's the first let us. Let us draw near in full assurance with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And from there, we're invited then to, to, to hold fast. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Our hope in what? We're supposed to hold on to this confession of our hope without wavering, but, but what is our hope in? What's well, in Jesus? Because it follows, for the one who promised is faithful, so our hope can be placed there. It's in the promise. It's in the new covenant. And we can do that because God is faithful. And then there's one more. It's let us consider let us consider, it says, how to stir. Now, that phrase there, how to stir, um, is an interesting one. It's paroxysmas, and it means to incite, to sharpen, to spur, and to irritate. Oh. We're invited to consider how to incite, how to sharpen, how to spur, and irritate one another. That doesn't sound right, does it? But that's what it means, that we are to stir one another to two specific things, to love and good works. We are to irritate each other to love and good works. And by irritate, it means get things moving, get things shaken, right? There's a phrase right now that says, don't poke the bear. This says, do poke the bear right? Get things moving. And sometimes when we're engaged with one another, this idea of spurring one another on, it's like being on, on a horse. And when you're on a horse and you're spurring it, you're, you're digging those spurs into its ribs. And it doesn't like it, but it gets it moving. And so we are invited when some of us when, and all of us at some time get in a spot where we're not moving, and so we are invited to encourage one another, to stir one another up to love and good works. This is really hard right now. Because I know a lot of times I receive that as not spurring, but, but attacking. And sometimes it is. But I'm also trying to learn how to check myself. 
When someone says something that I feel, ugh, right, I feel a movement in me, I'm trying to figure out what, what is that movement and what's behind that movement. Right? Is it something I need to defend against or is it not? And I'm finding more often than not, it's not something I need to defend against. And so I'm trying to learn how to receive that a little bit better. Now this next part is a really interesting part to be talking about right now uh, because it says to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Uh, this is a verse that most churches are avoiding during the, this time. Um, but I want to just follow up on this because I think we'll find out what it really means because it's a weird time to be talking about not gathering. Um, but it's not talking about not being together in the same physical space. Right? At that time, that's the way they could gather. It was really hard to be connected in, uh, in, first century, uh, in the first century world without being physically together. Right? To get a message to someone in some other way took a lot of work and a lot of time. Right? But the fear behind this not gathering together is that you're not able to encourage one another. Right? It says, uh, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So we come together to worship, to encourage one another, and all the more as the day is drawing near, and the day is talking about when Jesus returns. But I also want us to remember that in this letter, day, today, is something really significant. So I think it's very easy to say the day, but I think we can also say every day, today. If you hear God's voice today, do not ignore it. This is the moment. I know most of us want to get back together for sure, and I do also. But the question is, is are we still connecting in ways that allow us to encourage one another? Is the God we're talking about big enough to bridge the, the gaps and the blocks that we experience because of the conditions we're in? And I say, yes, absolutely. I've been encouraged by so many of you in so many different ways. In fact, I've, I've been overwhelmed at times with the creativity and the things I've seen moving us. And so I think for anyone who's, who's worried about this being some moment where this is something we have to overcome to fulfill this scripture, that's not what it's talking about. Don't get me wrong, I wanna get together too and I think there's good, unique things that happen there, but right now I do believe that God is connecting us and we are able to encourage one another. So moving on. The author says next four, if we go on sinning, not doing God's will, then there's no other sacrifice for sins. And this is, uh, it can seem confusing at first, but when I read it, what I, what I really hear it saying is that there's just no other way to deal with the issue of sin and cleansing of our whole person from sin. And if we're not going to receive that, then there's nothing else for us except judgment. But I wonder, when we experience forgiveness, how does that look? How does that work? Sometimes I think we say it has to involve like a, an acknowledgement of some kind. But I see people experiencing forgiveness in all kinds of ways in our world. What if when you're experiencing forgiveness, it's still so hard in your life that you're not even able to muster up the strength the courage to, to acknowledge that? What if it's just, I'm just receiving it so I can heal? 
Is God in that? Absolutely. And so I want us to be careful when we're talking about, you know, that it's either forgiveness or judgment and how we think those two look. Because at the end of the day, what it really means is that God is the one who either grants forgiveness or judges. We don't get to decide what that looks like. We don't get to decide how that works. We get to live in that. And we get to receive that. And we get to share that in our words and in our actions. But we're not the authors of it. And so I want us to be really careful when we start putting down all these specifics about what that looks like. Because again, at the end of the day, what this is saying is, is it is really up to God. And that's why it gets to this spot where it says it's fearful. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Right? And the author goes through this list of things that you can trample underfoot the Son of God. You can profane the blood of the new covenant. You can outrage the Holy Spirit. You can stand against God, the one who can rightly exact vengeance and judgment. And so all of a sudden it does become a very fearful thing to land in the hands of the living God who can do these things unless all the previous stuff is true. Unless there is a new covenant. Unless there is this great high priest. Unless there is forgiveness. Unless there is an ability to enter confidently into the presence of God and experience new life. Experience who we really are. And the recipients of this letter have known this. And so the author is reminding them and moves on to this section and says, do you remember when? And here we see some of the specifics about their persecution. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction sometimes being partners with those so treated. So there's this sense that there was physical harm, there was verbal, mental harm. And if it wasn't they who were experiencing it, it was their friends, their family members. And so it says, and sometimes you were partners with those who were so treated. And if we go on to the next section, it says, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. One of the things I learned as I was working on this uh, for this sermon was that uh, there were times in the first century when uh, in, in different parts of, of whether it was Rome or some of the surrounding areas that there were almost like these wards where there would be areas of, of uh, Jewish people who lived there. And um, one of them uh, in this one city, what happened was is um, the, the kind of ruling person there decided there were these five wards and they decided Jewish communities getting out of control. They were protesting and some stuff, and so they decided they all need to be shoved into one. And it just left their homes completely open. And so then the, the city and other people came in and stole a bunch of their stuff while they had been moved out of the, their homes. 
And so there we kind of get a sense for maybe some of the stuff that this community might have been dealing with. Stuff being damaged, confiscated, all because they were having compassion for their friends and family members and other people they knew who were in prison. And at the time, if you were in prison, the, the, there wasn't uh, like a meal plan in prison. There wasn't support given to you. you. People from the outside would often have to come and bring you food, other supplies, new clothes if you needed those. And so this is about this group having compassion and caring for one another in the midst of this persecution. And the author is saying, remember that. Live into that. There's a time where you saw God move in a way that stirred your heart, that changed you, that transformed you, that moved you so that your boldness and your speaking and acting freely in the presence of God was lived out in your day-to-day life. And it says that they did it gladly. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. It doesn't sound easy. But there are moments, and I think most of us have experienced something like this, where we become overwhelmed almost with how easy it can be to let something go. And there are other moments where it's not so much. But it's out of this space. And again, I want to, I want to echo some of the things we've already heard this morning. In, in, in worship, we, talked about, we sang the song about uh, that hope is like rising. I feel it in my chest like a heartbeat. Jessica's words. We might be tempted to move to something else. We might be tempted to drift away, just like the author of Hebrews says, but the call is to remain boldly and confidently in God's presence. Our author ends up using this quote from the Old Testament and it says this. We can get to the next slide. Yes. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But then it follows. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are not of those who shrink back. And this is kind of how it works, that we enter God's presence boldly, freely, confidently, free to express ourselves without guilt or shame. And in that space, we become more like Jesus. As we gaze upon the beauty of Jesus, as we engage with Jesus, we become more like him. And in doing so, we actually become more like our full selves, I think. In doing so, our conscience is cleansed, both from the guilt we might have, but also that we grow in clarity and discernment to see what is good and what is bad. 
And as we do so, we grow in compassion. So when we see the people around us and the needs around us, we are moved because we've come in full assurance of our faith. We can move. Even when it's hard. And so the author says that we need encouragement. Right? We need to find ways that we can encourage one another. We need endurance. So we lean into the body of Christ, into each other. We lean into the Holy Spirit who empowers us. And we're not of those who shrink away. Even if in one moment we are of those who shrink away. Because again, it says, to fall into the hands of the living God is a fearful thing. But there's this reality that says, but we can always, always come into into God's presence with confidence even in unprecedented times, even in unprecedented situations, even when leaders in social systems are corrupt and when people are being oppressed by those leaders and those systems, we are not of those who shrink back. We turn to Jesus. We grow. We learn. We move. We live. We have our being in Jesus. And we continually return to Jesus, and we build our lives on the cornerstone of Jesus. This is what gives me hope right now, knowing all of you, knowing the Jesus who invites us to follow him into the presence of God with confidence and freedom so we can express ourselves honestly before God and then allow God to speak to us This is where I see hope. I see hope against the systems in our world that are corrupt and that are oppressive. I see hope as I engage with people who I'm really struggling with, but I'm called to be a friend to. I see hope not to convince them that I'm right and they're wrong, but I see hope in that I can love them. And I see hope that we can love well. As we move on through this book, we're going to find this just builds, right? And so this is just the start. And I hope you can sense in my own person, I am worked up. I'm amped up about this stuff. Um, Because there's a lot going on in our world. And the church, this is a time for us to rise up and be the people of God. So there's an invitation here to do that. And I'm emotional because I'm I'm trembling almost with uh, both excitement and fear. All kinds of things because I want to see what God's going to do. I feel like we're at a spot in history that people could look back on and say, this was a moment when the tide turned on a whole bunch of things. And the church was part of that. I have a few questions I want to ask um, as we, we wrap up. We're going to pray, and then Brian's going to close us in a song, and then we'll get ready for the, the all-church meeting. But the questions to ponder for this morning are, one, can you remember a specific time in your life when you felt full of faith and were able to stand in the face of big challenges? Did that feel easy? Did it feel difficult? Did it feel both? 
And then second, can you remember a specific time in your life where you didn't feel full of faith in the face of big challenges? And what feelings do you remember from that time? And third, what did you sense Jesus saying to you in both of those times? What do you hear Jesus saying to you now? I know sometimes I have thoughts come up from events that happened a long time ago. I'm always really amazed by how quickly those feelings can resurface. So I'm just interested in, in, for you all, what your experience is with that. And then what do you hear Jesus saying to you right now in the midst as you're holding both those moments when you felt, yeah, full of faith and those feelings and both the, one, and the ones where you didn't. And then lastly, are there people right now that you know of who are needing help? What can you do to stand with and or support them? This is that movement out of as we build our life on Jesus, the cornerstone the scripture says. We can be transformed and we can be a help. So if there are those people, who are they? Um, sometimes just writing them down helps us move to go and help. So with that, let me pray, and then uh, Brian will come lead us in a closing song after he gives a moment of time to reflect on stuff. God, I give you great thanks that there is this reality that to fall into the hands of a living God is a fearful thing. But we can also find that uh, there's a new and living way spoken by the eternal word of Jesus. That we can enter into a place that was not open to us, into your very presence, and be free and bold and honest, whether we're upset, whether we're grieving, whether we're happy, whether we're laughing, whatever we are, we can bring it honestly into you and your presence. And you meet us there in this new covenant where we can know you. Lord, and from there, we are transformed as the things of guilt and sin are removed and we're given new freedom to look into the world with new eyes and see more clearly what is good and what is wrong. And we're invited to act in ways that are good, to be help out of compassion and care. So help us, Lord, to be these things. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.